I'm grateful and thankful that you came to be with us this morning. Um, I wanted to tell you, because there's a few people I don't know here today, um, if you're a college student, 20s, and you're here today and you haven't been before, uh, I lead the Bible study for 20-year-olds. I I really love 20-year-olds a lot. So we meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Why? I can't remember. We've done this for years. So um, if you would like a group of people to live life with and to read the Bible and to pray, um, we would love to have you a lot. So um, so I'm kind of glad. I was like, hey, I'm speaking today. I only speak every once in a while, so I can invite you to my Bible study. Um, we've had a lot happen in Pullman this last week. We made the news we're like famous. People we don't even know that went to this church years ago are like, are you okay? Like finding us on Facebook, probably maybe some of you would know their names. They're like, are you, are you, did you flood? And we're like, we're good. We're good. I called on a health insurance thing and the guy wanted to talk for five minutes about the flooding in Pullman. He was like, I went to school there. How's Dismores? I'm like, oh my goodness. So I, finally I'm like, finally I'm like, okay, like I want to talk to you about my kids, like braces thing. That's why I'm calling you. So <laughs> we've had a lot happen and spring break. A lot of you guys went off adventuring. I was like, how cool is that? We go, like, this is what we do as Christians. We come together, we meet, we worship God, and then we go. We go out, we live our lives, things happen. Some weeks, not a lot. Some weeks, a lot. And I was like, but we come back today, and we're here to worship God together. I was thinking about how awesome it is today, because I've been thinking about Palm Sunday all week. It is not a sermon you typically preach unless you're like the lead pastor. So I was kind of excited. I was like, "Woo, Palm Sunday. That's, that's cool. I've never done that before. Um, but Palm Sunday is something that we have in common. Like today, the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Assemblies of God and the Episcopals and the you name it. We are all celebrating the same thing here in Pullman in D.C., in Africa. And I was thinking, why? I was like, why Why am I so excited about this? Like, Can you put words to that? Well, I think there is so much that separates us, right? Like, even in the church. Like, even like the Assemblies of God, you're like, you're the same thing as Foursquare. I'm like, no, actually, we're not. Like, there's so much that separates us. But the commonality, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Like, there's a lot of differences in theology, and am I going to pray to Mary? But I was like, but what we have in common is what really matters. That's exciting to me, that what we have in common is what really matters. So, and today we have people, I was thinking about it, that maybe have never been to a Pentecostal church before. I mean, there could be people here that are like, what's this? Like, we don't do this in my church. So it's kind of cool to say, welcome. This is what we do here. It's like, because... Some of us, I I can't help it. I grew up in a church where you don't clap, you don't lift your hands. And I was like, this is who I am. And so um, if you're not used to that, welcome. What we have in common is Jesus. So I welcome you. We're glad you're here. Today is Palm Sunday. So I think sometimes we throw out terms in the church and we're like, why? Why is this Palm Sunday? What does that even mean? Other than like, the church gets these palms from Amazon. Cool, yeah? From Amazon. I know. Who knew everything? I love that place. So um, it's because the people were worshiping God. 
And like us, they just took what they had on hand. What was around them? Palms. I love palms because I love heat. They took palms and they took their tunics. And it's what they used to worship God. It's not anything amazing. It's not like anything mystical. It's just to remember. That's what the people had. So I started thinking, what do I know about Palm Sunday? Why are the people even following him? Who are these crowds? Can you put up a picture? Actually, can you just go to the one with the crowds? So, like, who are these crowds? So I'm going to tell you the story. Annie read us the scripture. And I'm not going to read the scripture again because I'm going to kind of retell it. And we are going to listen to some more scripture later. Um, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem because he's a Jew. And Jews went to Jerusalem for Passover. And that was the time Jesus did what the Jews did. So the crowds were following him because he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. So he raised Lazarus from the dead right before this. And then he went up into the hillside and he was hiding. And the people wanted to see him. He wasn't like hiding. He was hiding. It just says he left. He went away. And the reason is because it was not time for him to die yet. And the people wanted to kill him. So he goes up into the hillside and the people are like, we want to see this person. They don't have Instagram. They don't have Facebook. They want to see, they have to see him to be able to see it. Okay. This is my question. Who, who saw the flooding? Who went and, act, okay, first question. Who went and drove down and saw the flooding? Who saw it on Instagram, Twitter, something like, yeah, see, that's what I was thinking. We, they didn't have that option. So the people wanted to actually go and see Jesus or it said they also wanted to see Lazarus. So he came out of the hillsides and the crowds start following him. They are following him and they're yelling. This is what they're yelling. I'm going to read it right from the Bible. They're saying, this is what they're saying. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I was like, that's a churchy word. What does that mean? I kind of thought it meant like praise him, like praise, praise, because that's kind of how we use it, like praise him, praise him. But um, it means uh, he saves. Blessed is the one who saves. And it's interesting. It says he saves us. And it says he say, he, we want him to save us now. Deliver us, us now. So the people are crying out to him, deliver us, deliver us now. And I was like, oh, that's like us. Like Jesus, Jesus save me and save me now. Oh, but that's not like us because I'm an American. I changed it to me. Did you catch that? I just realized this last night. We're like, Jesus save me, save me now. But these people are crying, save us. Did you even hear how I didn't even intentionally do that? I changed it to Jesus, save me. But the people were broader thinking. They're thinking about their community. They're thinking about all the Jews. Um, they're saying, save us and save us now. I think we remember Palm Sunday because we remember that Jesus is king. He is the king. And it doesn't always look like what we want it to look like. I know what I would like it to look like. I am I was going to tell you how old I am. I don't really want to anymore. Um, <laughs> must be over 40. Um, I think 
that we remember that Jesus, we need to remember that Jesus is king, even though it doesn't look like what I want it or what we want it to look like. And I was really hit last night that I think that we need to remember as Americans that it's we. It's not me. Jesus, deliver us. My neighbor, my family, my friends, humanity, deliver us. I also thought, as I looked at the picture, will you show the next picture? I also thought, what was Jesus thinking? I know. I know I can't know. But here he is, here he is coming on a donkey, fulfilling scripture, doing as he was told to do. And the people are saying, save us, save us now. And he knew he couldn't. It's not what God asked him to do. And he loved these people a lot. I can imagine the weight he's carrying, like, and he doesn't explain himself. If you know the story, Jesus never explained himself. So here he is coming through the streets, I can imagine. And he's like, I, I can't be what you want me to be. Because that's not what God's asked of me. And the other part that I think he knows is that in five days' time, he's going to die. People are going to accuse him unjustly. I don't know about you, I don't like to be accused of things, whether I did them or not. But when I know it's not true, he just took it. They accused him of things, and he didn't say a word. That's also why we call this, it's a dual Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday, and we call it Passion Sunday. And I think we must remember Passion Sunday, because if we only come to church today and we celebrate the king then we won't be ready for Easter, like what Annie was saying. So I was like, why? Again, why do we call this Passion Sunday, right? Passion Week. Because when I think of passion, I kind of think of, well, like newlyweds. That's kind of what I think of, or lots and lots of emotion. And uh, so I looked up the root. Passion means the root of it is suffering. That's what it actually means. So this is actually suffering, Sunday. Maybe that's why we don't call that. That would be real track. Come to Sunday. It's Suffering Sunday. We're going to celebrate Suffering Week. <laughs> but I think, I think that we know, I think humans know, humanity knows, whether you're a Christian or whatever, that unless you experience darkness, unless you experience sorrow, suffering, you can't really experience the same depth of joy. So today we are going to not just look at Palm Sunday, but for the next part of our service, we're going to look at passion, at Jesus' suffering. And we're going to have um, a dramatic reading. So I have asked people to read and take the parts of the different pieces, and they're going to read it. And I, I invite you to listen I invite you to quiet the busyness in your mind. I invite you to be present and to imagine. I don't know if you've done this before with scripture, but it's really powerful to imagine, to close your eyes. I invite you to close your eyes as they read it and to imagine that you're in the story. To imagine that you're seeing it take place in front of you. 
I've been praying for you this week as I've been working on this message that this will be more than just a story, but that you'll, you'll encounter Jesus as the people um, read today. And when they're done reading, we're actually going to also watch a clip from the Passion of the Crucifixion. And um, it's not easy. But I think we need to remember what Jesus did for us. If, if it's, it's at least PG-13. So if you can't, if it's too much, just close your eyes. It's okay. But um, I sat on my couch twice this week and with tears streaming down my, down my face. And I invite you to see what Jesus did for you and to remember such, such, such deep love. So I'm going to invite the dramatic reading team to come uh, find their positions. And when we're done, so they're going to read. And like they said, this isn't about them. So you can close your eyes. You don't need to focus on them. But listen to the story. Let, you, let yourself encounter Jesus today. And then when they sit down, we'll watch the Passion. And then we're going to, um, in closing, uh, we're going to sing the doxology together. So. Hear the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, John 18 through 19. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together, with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all this was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Jesus, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of them whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Ananias who is the father-in-law father of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. 
Simon Peter, and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? Peter said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Ananias sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not one of of the disciples, are you? Peter denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a cock crowed. They took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. 
Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And striking him on the face, Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered the headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill the scripture, says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing 
beside her. He said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge filled with the wine on a branch of hyssop and and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may also believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Christ. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. 